Section sixteen of Wings and the Child by E. Nesbitt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six Collections. First in your building collection will be the boxes, arches, and steps of which I have spoken. Dominoes and draughts and chessmen you probably have. Odd chessmen, quite beautiful ones can often be bought for a few pence, are very valuable for our purpose. The black and red halma men are very useful too, but the green and yellow always look cheap and nasty. Card counters are useful, and so is silver paper. Glass drops off old chandeliers are good for fountains, and pieces of green cloth for grass plots. The back of green wallpaper does for this too, and very realistic grass lawns can be made by chopping up the long green grass that people sell for fire screens. It is really sedge finally split up and dyed. You cut it up as finely as you can with scissors, and when you have about a teacupful, you take a square of stiff cardboard and cover it all over with glue. Then quickly, before the glue has time to cool, you sprinkle your chopped grass thickly all over it and leave it to dry. Next day, not before, spread a newspaper and turn the cardboard over so that the loose grass falls away onto the paper. Fasten down your grass plot in a suitable place in your city, and build a little red brick wall round it with a little arched gateway, and you will have a neat and charming enclosed garden. For garden beds, dark-coloured tobacco makes good mould, and shows up your little rose-trees. You can make standard rose-trees of loofah, dyed green, and the stalks of long matches, painted brown. The roses, which are stuck on with glue, are red or white immortelle, and the whole effect is just what you are trying for. Large trees can be made of sprigs of box or veronica, with immortelle glued on, and they will last fresh and pretty about a week. Palm trees can be made of elder stems and larch, or of the sedge-grass. Lay the grass evenly and, beginning about halfway down, wind brown wool or silk thread round and round closely, and, very like splicing a cricket-bat, work downwards towards the thick part of the grass stalk. Fasten the end very strongly. Then stick the stem in a cotton reel or a lead piping pot, cut off, evenly, the loose ends of the grass, fold them back level, cut the stem. For the city of a day, Sprigs of southernwood, lavender, thyme, or marjoram make charming little trees. Shells are extremely useful for decoration, and produce the effect of carving. Almost all shells will be useful in one way or another, but I have found the most satisfaction in the grey and pearly shells, which you find among the thick seaweed ridges on the beach below the grey cliffs of Cornwall, and the little yellow periwinkly shells that lie on the rocks below the white cliffs of Kent. If you glue these shells strongly on arches and pillars, you will find them very handsome adornments. Keep your shells in boxes. There are always plenty of boxes in the world, and if not boxes, little bags will do to hold the different kinds of shells. It is well worth while to keep the different kinds separate. The work of sorting out the shells is very damping to the eager enthusiast anxious to execute a decorative design. Indeed, it is well to keep all your building materials sorted each according to its kind, the wooden things together, and the metal things, and above all the crockery things. 
keep the Noah's Ark animals in their ark, and the bricks in their boxes, and when you are going to build don't get everything out at once and make a rubbish heap of it on the floor. As you grow more accustomed to building, you will find that sometimes you build a temple or a palace that charms you so much that you wish to build it again, and you will soon learn what are the materials needed, and just take out those and a few more from your store. I say a few more, because you will never build your temple or your palace twice exactly the same, you are sure to think of some improvement, however small. I have made beautiful windows with the sticks of an old ivory fan, framed in dark wood bricks, and ornamented the dark wall above with elephant-tusk shells and others, and below with carved ivory card-counters. There is a certain elephant-temple which I have built many times. Its floor is a red-and-white chessboard, and its roof is supported on a double row of white pillars. White pillars surround the altar, a wooden box, on which the ebony elephant stands. On each side of him are red fairy lights, hidden by buttresses from the human eye, which peeps through the brazen gates into that shadowy interior, and falling full on the elephant on his pillared shrine. The walls are of big red books, Sheridan's plays, Tom Jones, and Boswell's Life of Johnson. The roof is a flat square lid, once the lid of a packing-case, stained a dark brown like the bricks. On the side are the windows made of the ivory fan, and the dark bricks and the elephant-tusk shells. There is a door, too, a mother-of-pearl one. In a former life it was the card-case of a much-loved aunt, who nobly contributed it to the temple. Above this door is a white animal from the Noah's Ark. And all the rest of that wall is built up of dark-stained brown wooden bricks. The other side shows between dark buttresses, the red of the books, and towards the back of this side are small square buildings, wooden boxes stained brown, with brass domes and mysterious doorways. I think the priests and attendants of the temple live here. The front of the temple shows a little of the red between dark buttresses, which here are ornamented with delicate dark-carved chessmen. The gate is of pierced brass, two finger-plates for a door, and the brazen pillars of the portico are two candlesticks, which support a brass inkstand, on which stand two yellowish wooden chessmen. On the middle of the roof is a big lacquered wooden bowl, the kind that nice grocers put in their windows full of prunes or coffee. Above is a brass rose-bowl, on that a finger-bowl of inlaid brass, crowned with a black chess-king. There are two dark arches with bed-knobs on them, and round the roof are various towers and turrets, and tall minarets made of dark bricks with chessmen on the top. In front of the pillars at the gate two black elephants stand on wooden plinths, and the forecourt of the temple and the space at the side are paved with mother-of-pearl. I know the main things that are needed for this temple, but its details are changed a little every time I build it. If you cannot get mother-of-pearl card-counters, you can make a beautiful pavement by pasting the shining pods of honesty in a pattern on a piece of dark brown cardboard, or dark brown paper pasted on cardboard. But if you do this, you must build a little dark wood brick wall all round to hide the brown paper edges. Build gatehouses in your wall, little ones, to show off, by contrast, the massive splendour of your temple. These honesty pods are a most useful substitute for mother-of-pearl. You can paste them on square pillars, 
on the fronts of boxes—houses, I mean—or make sloping roofs of them by sticking them on folded cardboard, fastened at the proper angle by tapes glued about a third of the way up. But as a rule, sloping roofs are not good in eastern cities. A grass garden with paths of honesty, or a shell-built fountain basin in the middle, will add a charm to any city square. And, by the way, don't be afraid of open spaces. Have as many buildings as you like, and mass them together as you choose, but let there be open spaces. They will be to your building as mounts are to pictures, or margins to books. And for frame or binding, let there be a wall all round your city. It gives a neatness and a completeness, which enhance a hundredfold all the qualities your city may possess. There are cardboard models of St. Paul's Cathedral, the Tower Bridge, and the Temple at Jerusalem. These are interesting in themselves, and it is good to put them together. The Temple, which is sold by the Religious Tract Society, is really beautiful, and when you have set it up it looks like a model in ivory. The bridge and the cathedral are of dull brown pasteboard, but they are interesting for all that. But when you are tired of these things as models, parts of them can be used with great effect in your building, especially if you paint the brown ones with aluminium paint, or even whitewash them. In the foreground of the picture of the astrologer's tower, you will see a little house which doesn't look as if it belonged where it is. And no more it does. It was put in just to show you what these little cardboard buildings are like. It is one of the gatehouses of the Tower Bridge, and the little white house on the parapet above the steps, in the picture of the silver towers, is a little gatehouse out of another model. When you are collecting shells, you will find smooth flat stones of pleasing colours. Collect them, the thinner the better. You can make mosaic floors of them, fastening them in their place with glue, or a very thin layer of plasticine. Fir cones of all shapes and sizes are useful, from the delicate cones of the larch, to the great varnished-looking cones that fall from the big pine-trees on the Riviera—they call them pineapples there, pommes de pin—and they use them for lighting fires. But you can use them for the tops of towers. A little, and only a very little, red tinsel paper is good to use for the backs of shrines. It gives a suggestion of the glow of hidden lamps or, put as windows near the tops of towers, it suggests the glow of sunset falling on jewelled casements. You can get it, and also bundles of stamped strips of gold paper, which should be used very sparingly indeed, from Mr. Bousquet of the Barbican in London City. There are other things which could serve for part of your collection, but I have told about these in the chapter on poor children's cities, because the poorest child can get them but they are desirable in any collection, such things as tobacco-tins, jam-jars, clothes-pegs, and the different kinds of common things that you can use for decorating the fronts and backs and sides of houses, if you have not enough bricks to build façades to them all. And remember always to make the backs of your houses as beautiful as the fronts. They may, and should, be plainer, but not less beautiful. Do not be like the jerry-builders who spend all their decoration such as it is, on the flat fronts of their villas, and leave the sides and back flat and ugly, and so that when you see the row of them from the railway they look miserable and dejected, as though they knew how ugly they were and were sorry. End of section 16